0: Have you ever wondered how deep tech companies actually start? Well, we were too. So in this podcast, we'll be interviewing scientists and
1: entrepreneurs that have taken their ideas out of the lab and turned them into startups. I'm Antonia.
0: And I'm Christina. And this is Startup the Science. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Startup the Science. Before we get started with today's episode, I just wanted to give a shout out to everyone involved in the 2020 AdmaCom program. If this is your first time tuning in, AdmaCom is our yearly accelerator program for advanced material startups. And in the last two weeks, we've been working hard, putting all the startup finalists through so many workshops, trainings, mentoring sessions. It was intense, but at the same time, it was so much fun. And if you're at all curious about the startups or the program, I really highly recommend going to see the demo day. It was live streamed last week and it's now on our YouTube channel and I'll leave the link in the description. But on that note, I would also like to really thank our sponsors who without them, this program would not have happened. So big, big, big thanks to IBB, the investment bank of Berlin, Big thank you as well to Berlin Partner for Business and Technology. And last but not least, a huge thank you to Sonnenberg Harrison Partnerschaft. Now, this is actually a really great segue to today's guest because they are all too familiar with AdmaCom as they were a startup finalist in last year's program. Today's episode features the founder of Atlant 3D Nanosystems, they are based in Denmark, and we got to know Maxim, the founder and CEO of Atlant, at last year's program. But as you might be able to tell from this episode, I don't think we actually knew Maxim at all. <laughs> there are stories he tells us in this episode that just blew our minds. I think the one thing I really started to notice after our conversation with him is that he has this undeniable entrepreneurial spirit about him and I think that's something really to be admired. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Maxim from Atlant 3D Nanosystems.
1: Hi Maxim and welcome to Startup the Science today. It's really great to have you with us today. Um, so we'll be talking about Atlant 3D Nanosystems, a wonderful startup that we love since admocom last year and that you'll tell us more about. So, welcome, and tell us a little bit about yourself and what your startup does.
2: Hi, Antonia. Thank you for inviting uh, to talk with you. And it's a great pleasure and honor to, to be here to give your presentation and uh, have this discussion with you and to the audience. Um, I'm very glad to, to, to tell others about uh, our company, about our startup. Uh, we are a deep tech uh, startup uh, in Denmark, uh, also with uh, R&D location in Germany, in Erlangen. And uh, we are the first company in the world that develops atomic layer 3D printing technology for rapid prototyping of micro-nano devices and uh, material development for electronic industry. So the uniqueness of our uh, solution is that we enable printing of uh, electronic materials at atomic scale. We call it printing on demand, atom by atom.
1: And this is very cool. And as our listeners know, um, I am not, Christina is not a scientist. But what we do is we interview a lot of scientists and a lot of technologists and we ask them to explain science to us. And even though we don't know a whole lot about 3D printing, I know that ever since we saw your application um, last year for AdmoCom, the whole idea of uh, printing, 3D printing atom by atom, so atomic layer 3D printing, was very exciting. And lots of people got very, very interested in that topic and thought, oh, this is very cool. We haven't seen anything like it. And like you say, you're the first ones doing that. So can you tell us a little bit more about this technology? What does it mean? How is it possible? And how come nobody else is doing that?
2: Sure. I'm very glad to, to talk about this as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so uh, we actually came up to this concept by uh, bringing some unique experts in one place. Even not even experts, but more expertise. So uh, I came up from the microtechnology uh, field and I uh, was working in the clean room uh, facilities, fabricating solar cells, uh, working daily on fabrication of different micro devices. And I saw the challenge that comes from uh, this industry, from this uh, daily routine when you need to make a, one simple sensor and you spend a lot of time just on very small iterations of simple processes, but you need to repeat one by one. At the same time, I saw the huge potential of atomic light deposition technology, which I was not expert in, but I was more as a user. And uh, at one of the conferences, I. Uh, met with um, ALD experts and then we had discussions and uh, basically we came up to the decision and and conclusion that combining some of the microtechnology concept and combining atomic layer deposition concept might bring the unique uh, capabilities. Later on, we also discussed the atomic, or not atomic, uh, 3D printing concept. And this is how all these three fields were combined in one. This is how the whole concept was, let's say, when it appeared to to the audience, to, to everyone. So basically, we are combining highly sophisticated technologies together in order to make atomic layer 3D printers. So for more specialized experts in the field, we're making atomic layer 3D printer. The machine that can the same capabilities as ALD atomic layer deposition print uh, atomic layers, but selectively whenever one wants on demand with uh, a lateral resolution in micro scale range.
1: Okay, and so in simple terms, for uh, our simple understanding, what are we what are we three D printing in this case?
2: In this case, we are three D printing uh, micro nano layers. So. We targeting first to print simple sensors, let's say a temperature sensor or pressure sensor, or printing some contacts for electronics. This is just the beginning. the The imagination of human can be different, and how this can be used further, it's even difficult to predict. What we foresee that this technology can be applicable from a very simple micro device or sensor fabrication to much more complex devices, like multi-layer, even integrated circuits. But for this, we need some time.
1: Right. So your technology could be used to develop these micro nano devices, um, but also to develop new materials, right? And this is one of the reasons why you were such a big part of Enam of now and of AdmoCom last year, because you are working in the field of new materials, advanced materials, um, and helping develop these in a different way. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? How can new materials be developed with your technology?
2: Yeah it's a really good question. Indeed our technology in initial phase the most uh, favorable for material development. The reason for this is next uh, right now the existing technologies uh, require a whole setup and a whole some big sample to just deposit one sample one material sample. Now imagine when you have a 3D printer and that can go and create dots Let's say one dot uh, uh, deposited or process at one temperature, then at second temperature, third, and so on. And you can create a a number of new samples just within a few minutes. You don't need to unload the sample from the chamber, even from vacuum chamber, and then load a new one, and then reproduce this many times, spending just one or two hours for one sample. Here you can get just one sample within minutes. So this reduces the time, that reduces the cost, and actually you can even experiment on a very small samples. This is the unique value that we can bring to any material development uh, scientist or engineer in the industry and academia. Even now, this is how we can help. And uh, since it's based on atomic layer deposition technology, so this uh, u- technology is unique by providing more than 450 different materials. This is another the huge value that our technology can bring the selection of materials that can be used for quantum computing for uh, photonics for uh, sensors for mems in different industries so we we just extremely excited how this can be moving further.
1: So your technology would work across a wide variety of industries, right? So it's hard to say that you are only specialized in one one field or one technology uh, because you actually work across a, a wider range, which is also why it's hard to ask you, for example, how competitive is this field, right? Because it depends what you focus on first. But where have you seen Atlan get the most traction so far? Where are your customers coming from? Where are the potential collaborators coming from?
2: So far, we got Uh, the most uh, interest from uh, biomedical field, uh, even uh, biopharma field. Uh, That was our first pilot project. Now we're getting uh, from uh, light uh, LED field uh, some interest from packaging, advanced packaging field. What would be the next? It's difficult to say. We're now scouting different uh, uh, potential customers and industries. And we're trying to define uh, different use cases. What is the most uh, crucial factor for us is uh, if we take different uh, use cases, we try to have them uh, something in common that we don't have double development because we are limited resources. And this we directly tell to our customers, explaining that we cannot uh, go uh, diverse in different projects that if we develop something in one project we try that it can be scalable in another applications and then we can help and work with several uh, customers at the same time.
1: Sounds similar to to the approach we take in Amazon. (laughs) We try to see if one thing that we do might work across different levels. Um so actually, that leads me to my next question. Can you explain a bit your business model? How is it that you guys work? Do You sell the printers and then those get delivered to the customer and they can use them as they see fit or do you sell a service or a license or yeah, how does it work?
2: So we started with pilots. Now we call pilot projects more uh, research and development uh, as a service. It's a very nice business model because it's a very simple model to start with. work with a customer. It's a service based and we tailor each project according to the customer needs, according to specifications. We, therefore the budget is different. Uh, our idea that as soon as the customer is happy with our development, we uh, develop in the machine at the same time Uh, that would be uh, available within the next two years for sales. And then we want that uh, such customer happy with our uh, services, they can buy the machine and uh, we can support them in-house with their development, providing different expertise, providing different materials for testing and also improving the the processes together with them. That's uh, two major uh, business models that we have. But uh, we also foresee that at some point, depending on the stage of development, we would also implement the licensing model. Right now, it's a little bit difficult to say how this would work and uh, in which fields. So we foresee that the the most impact would be licensing on certain applications that would be developed with the customer and uh, the customer, let's say, take our machine and we license uh, our technology to use for that or another t- application technology.
1: Sounds good. And I like the fact that you have a couple of different business models so you can diversify your revenue streams a bit. Is there one particular project or um, customer collaboration that you'd like to mention that you're really proud of?
2: Uh, we have a, a very nice collaboration uh, so far with uh, Merck. Uh, they're also part of uh, Admacom and the Enam network. And uh, they were the first who believed in uh, our technology and uh, actually tested our technology uh, through the pilot project. Uh, We, I believe, uh, developed pretty good relationships uh, with them and we keep in the communication and we hope further on to develop some new interesting projects with them.
1: That's great. So thank you very much for explaining the technology and how you guys work. Um, we followed as much as we could, but I'm sure other people that are more technical will understand even better what you were talking about. We're getting to, to one of my favorite parts, which is to hear a little bit more about how the idea came about, how you formed your team, um, and basically how did you get the the courage to start something that sounds quite complicated. Um, let's talk a little bit about the story of Atlant. So how did this idea come about? I know that you were already doing research in this field. Did you come across this uh, a completely new idea while you were doing that or was it part of a different project um
2: no it was not a part of a different project uh, i was a fresh uh, phd graduate from danish technical university just joined uh, as a postdoc at the riso lab uh, part of uh, danish technical university and um, i was uh, at the lecture of professor david munos from france and he was presenting uh, his achievements in the field of spatial ALD. Uh, it was a very nice lecture, and um, I was uh, sitting and thinking that, you know, you're getting a device that works like a printing, like inkjet printer, and then can print atomic layers. Actually, from that moment, I was thinking why there is no 3D printer based on this. This idea didn't leave me for some time. I was going around uh, talking with different people with uh, trying to figure out how this can be possible. And while sitting one evening with my friend uh, drinking uh, some uh, nice uh, German beer, we figure out that (laughs) uh, it can be done in a certain way. (laughs) So Uh, We made the sketches, Uh, my kids came uh, next morning to uh, look at the sketches and they said uh, that they draw that because it was uh, looking like really childish, but it was a very nice sketch that I made a model, 3D model, and then I talked with my uh, PhD advisor, Ole Hansen. And he said, yeah, it sounds really reasonable. Later on, I uh, took uh, that uh, idea and went to a conference, ALD conference uh, in Barcelona. And I presented this idea in the end of the conference, almost a closed room to another researchers uh, and one of the researchers uh, my current CTO, Ivan Kondrata, came to me and said, yeah, you know, you need to redo everything. It will not work like that.
1: <laughs> did you actually redo everything or what did you do?
2: Uh, yeah, we sat with him for four hours uh, after the conference. Uh, we went again to the pub, drink uh, uh, some uh, nice Spanish wine and uh, bought some uh, snacks from the local market. And, you know, we are having a a nice conversation, and then we came up to the concept that we are currently using. So the next day when we came back home, we almost didn't sleep for a few days, and we just created very fast uh, the the concept, the description, the models, and then uh, actually within a week we filed a patent. I was uh, very surprised because within a week, we convinced several of our current collaborators, professors from uh, DTU, from Germany, from Slovakia, that uh, uh, gentlemen, this is the concept that will change everything. And we didn't believe that they would support us, but they said, you know, yeah, you don't have a prototype, but you should definitely patent it. And we submitted the patent and uh, we started applying for the funding. But uh, since we just uh, fresh graduate uh, with uh, very few publications, Ivan was still a PhD student. So we didn't get any uh, grants to keep it as a research idea. So the next step was actually that we decided instead of going for research, let's uh, be a startup let's raise money fast and build the prototype fast. And that was our beginning of success so far. So we we applied, we convinced the committee that we need uh, some money for the prototype. We registered the company end of November, 2018. Within a month, we got the first grant. And then we started building the prototype. And that's uh, how the thing started.
1: That's the story. Well, that's really cool because it's not often that an idea that starts in a bar seems reasonable the next day as well. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty cool. And also the day after and the day after. So that's very nice. And also extremely impressive that you filed a patent within a week and you got so many people on board. This already sounds very exciting. And I wanted to ask you what you find most exciting about working uh, in a startup like Atlan because it's your first startup, right? You haven't or have you had other companies before?
2: Um, Yes and no. I would say like this. (laughs) Okay. If we come back like uh, 15 years ago, um, I uh, was a bachelor student in Ukraine and uh, I was uh, pretty proactive. I was a head of student union. We had a uh, student council. And uh, these uh, type of organizations were very entrepreneurial. So together with my friend, we organized a tourist company. We made it pretty successful within three months. It became uh, a regional leader, and it's still a regional leader in uh, that city. Then uh, after the, that, in two years, I made another company. So was a video and photography studio. And I was running that for four years while being a PhD student.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, very diverse (laughs) interests.
2: And uh, then after PhD, actually between my PhD and postdoc, I uh, came up with idea after working in the clean room, making um, uh, nano jewelry. (laughs)
1: Nano
2: jewelry, what is nano jewelry? Yes, it sounds uh, really... Really unusual, I know. <laughs> So uh, what was the concept? Um, we were developing black silicon solar cells. And me and my friend uh, uh, in the office, we took this black silicon and then deposited gold and it r- looked really cool. So we had designed a uh, pitch deck and then went to the DTU um, proof of concept committee and then convinced them that... Uh, Guys, we need funding to implement the samples. We already talked with Pandora jewelry company that they are interested in this. And then uh, they gave us money. We didn't expect that they gave us money. So I hired a pretty famous Danish business uh, lady uh, that has her own uh, jewelry brand. She hired a jewelry designer. She has a production in Thailand. Sorry. And then within uh, two months, she made a collection. And then we started integrating this uh, uh, nano pieces inside of the jewelry. So we create even a whole collection. And, and we started to talk uh, more closely with Pandora, but they had... <laughs> at that time, serious of problems. Uh, And then every time when they approach, when we about to settle agreement, uh, that something happened in the company. And that was three or four times. (laughs) Unlucky for us, yeah, it was like that. And actually at that moment, the Atlan project starts taking power and I just switched to... You, know, you to the...
1: dropped the nano jewelry, but gets, this is a different topic. It probably should be a different episode. But what is nano jewelry? Is it like really tiny jewelry?
2: Yeah, it uses uh, diffractive uh, coloring. Uh, so it's like holography. You can also make nanostructures with, with different patterns and with different uh, nanostructures that looks really fascinating Can you
1: can see it with the naked eye
2: yes 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 it's like holography jewelry with holographic structures
1: or holographic oh, pictures wow. that's cool so if fatland for whatever reason doesn't work out in the long run you can always go back to being a jewelry
0: designer sort of. or tourism <laughs> or photography i mean you can choose all these you're an onion maxim so many layers wow
1: so many layers this is very interesting. We've we've known you for more than a year, but this we did not know about you. So there
2: you because go. Because you didn't drink beer with me, I can tell you more stories. But uh, we didn't have time for that.
1: <laughs> Secret really isn't in, in drinking enough together, and then you find out everything. So actually, this year we we had or we had, I should say, AdmaCom online. So not a lot of drinking happened. But um, this is something we need to learn for future future editions. That we need to take people to the pub more and get them to tell us their stories. All right, coming back to atlant where it all where it all began, I wanted to ask you what what you hope or you think the future of Atlant looks like? What would you like to have achieved in the next six months a year and obviously, we're recording at a weird time in in history with a pandemic uh, affecting everyone, but perhaps disregarding that to some extent, what should the future of atlant look like
2: oh, it's an easy and very difficult question. <laughs> easy because we we are a team of dreamers um, and uh, i could say our key criteria when we choose people they should be extremely creative so we actually innovating in in every step of the company from uh, how we do the business how we work to how we plan uh, do science and engineering And uh, difficult because uh, we, considering current situation, it's difficult to predict what will be the next. But definitely we have a plan, and this plan is the the next. (laughs) So the next six months, we expect to actually finish our industrial prototype, hire about eight to 10 people. Uh, We already hired just within the last uh, four months uh, four. And now hiring a few more. So if you can hear this uh, talk, so keep an eye on us uh, because we are looking for highly talented uh, engineers, and not only who wants to change the future at Atom by Atom. So please, uh, please reach out to me afterward. And uh, the next year, we actually want to expand our collaboration with the customers, uh, getting more projects. Uh, where we we can help uh, you with uh, material development or some micro, nano device development. By the end of the next year, we plan to actually do some pre-sales of the equipments with the idea that in 2022, we will have uh, equipment to deliver. The long-term strategy that our technology can be the mainstream technology in semiconductor microfabrication. and therefore, we we cannot pres- foresee what the next. But our best uh, wish is that our technology can become a space technology. And uh, for this, we have some uh, things in our uh, pockets that we don't show yet.
1: <laughs> okay, for that, we'll have to invite you to another episode in about a year or so, so you can share more. So I'm guessing then if we were to ask you for requests or wishes from our listeners, you've already mentioned some, you're hiring. So people should keep an eye out for any job openings that you have now and that you'll keep having in the future. Are you also like most startups raising money or planning to raise money soon? And do you want to talk a little bit about that?
2: Uh, Yes, we are uh, continuously raising money. We as a startup, we are money hungry. Luckily for us, we so far uh, raised uh, enough uh, funding to build an initial team and start developing our technology, conducting still R&D and product development for the next two years. Uh, Thankfully to European Commission and the Innovation Fund of Denmark. And uh, we see that in order to bring the high quality product and actually speed up a lot of processes, and we need a stronger team, we need speed up uh, development, and this is why we're raising a seed round. And we're looking for strategic, high-profile uh, investors from our industry, from semiconductor, microtechnology, advanced materials that can support us and uh, currently we uh, in the process uh, to raise seed round with uh, 3 million uh, requests depending on the situation we open for different discussions but i would say that our case uh, in this situation this difficult covid situation is pretty risk low uh, because we already secured the funding for the next two years and it's a matter of speeding up and actually bringing the, the product to the customers. Uh, we already have some well, um, committed customers who waiting for our product. They just, I would say, calling to us and asking when it would happen.
1: Well, that's always good to have customers waiting <laughs> for you. And I'm happy to hear that you've secured funding for the, at least the, um, the next year or two years actually. So that's great. Usually we uh, kind of end the interview on this note of what are your wishes, requests, desires, but since you're like the, the perfect example for someone that has moved from academia to starting their own company. I'd like to ask you to tell me what are the most exciting things? What are the things that make you so happy to now be a startup founder and out of the 100% academic world so that you can inspire a few more scientists perhaps to start their own companies? And we'll we'll end on that happy note.
2: That's uh, the, the most difficult question from today, but I'm happy to answer. My advice, my uh, answer would be the, the next. Don't be afraid to make a company or a startup. Actually, deep tech field is extremely challenging. It's really cool. There are a lot of support for such companies, I would say even more than for software or for any other, because this is a, a low competition field and this is high demanded field, particularly in European Union. And if you get right partners on board, and uh, this is a high chance of success of course everyone can fail this is there is no uh, insurance against failure but you will get much more uh, value by being in startup and running uh, research and development product development building the team than being in academia you will do basically the same things that you can do in academia but you will get much more stronger experience insights than you can get in academia academia is very limited in startup you are founder you know and you plan what should be done and uh, you know what uh, what uh, the industry expects and even what academia expects what is the most strongest uh, factor that actually gave us uh, a good standing is uh, collaboration. That's uh, our key to success so far, that from the first day we started to collaborate. From even building the idea, anyone can think, okay, um, this idea, why didn't you develop this idea alone? Why didn't you de- do this alone? Because many deep tech ideas you cannot develop alone. You always need a collaborator. Everyone understands this. And in academia, uh, there is a very good uh, culture of trusting to each other. Of course, there are exceptions. But if you find a reliable, trustful partner, you can build really cool uh, projects, really cool startups and companies and I, I would, again, just suggest uh, go and experiment. Startup, it's a big PhD experiment that never ends, but in the end you get even much more excitement because you see that your ideas can be recognized, you see that you bring the real value to others and uh, you can change something in this world.
1: Wonderful. And on the note of changing the world, the starting companies, We'll uh, leave it there. And I'm sure we'll we'll talk to you again soon. Maybe next time you can share more details about your space projects as well.
2: I will be glad to. <laughs> and uh, I would like to thank you, um, uh, Antonia and Cristina, for um, keeping me here, for uh, giving this opportunity. I will be glad to talk with you next time and uh, give you insight what we're doing next.
1: Sounds good. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to Start Up the Science. If you like our show and want to know more about what we do, check out our website at
0: enam.brewin. And don't forget to leave us a review. Until next time!